Really excited to be taking the next three weeks to uh, talk about a series, Dumb Things Christians Say. Dumb Things Christians Say. How many people have ever heard somebody who claims to be a Christian say something really dumb? Let me see your hand. How many of you who claim to be Christians have ever said something really dumb? Let me see your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this series, let me just go ahead right up front and say this because I just get that sense that I'm going to offend somebody, and I don't want to do that. My goal is not to offend. I told Andrea today, driving to church, I don't want to be snarky today. That's what I want to I do, but uh, I don't want to offend anybody. This, we're not saying that the people who say these things are dumb. We're saying that they're saying dumb things, and that includes us, okay? You say them, I say them, your weird uncle who's a Christian says them, uh, and you know, honestly, uh, these are phrases, we're only going to talk about three of them. I could give you a bunch, but we're only going to talk about three. We have three weeks, we're going to talk about one statement or one phrase each week, and here, in my experience with, with Christians, including myself, uh, and we're all hopefully included in that, um, it's not that we're trying to say dumb things. It's usually that we're trying to be helpful. It's usually that we're trying to like say something, you know, at the right time, at the right moment. But usually our timing is just really off. And so we say something that we think needs to be said, but it's not, it's not super helpful. And, um, you know, it's really important that as, as, as ambassadors of truth, you know, that, that's us, as we want to stand for truth. It's important that we're not just truthful, but that we're also helpful. And, and, you know, the Bible says Jesus showed up full of grace and full of truth. That means he was 100% helpful and 100% truthful. And, and both are equally important because we all know someone who has been helpful but dishonest, right? And we see those people like when they audition for American Idol, like somebody in their life told them they could sing. That may have been helpful at the time, but not truthful, right? You saw the lady at Walmart and somebody told her, that looks good on you, right? Maybe helpful. Anyway, so, um, but then there's also times where we're like, I'm just being truthful. I just tell it like it is. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just, you know, I just, I just shoot it straight. You know, I tell people you're going to hell. Maybe true, but not helpful, Right? Because the timing is not right or the tone is not right. Here's what I've found in my life, and I'm just going to speak for me for a second. Sometimes the most helpful thing that I can do is say nothing. And sometimes, most of the time, the most truthful thing that I can say is what's wrong with me, not what's wrong with somebody else. And so we're going to talk next week for Sunday Fun Day. We're going to talk about um, the dumb thing that we say sometimes that um, God will never give you more than you can handle ridiculous. And then the next week, the last week, we're going to talk about maybe some things you've prayed for in life haven't happened, and maybe somebody told you one time, like, you don't, you must not have had enough faith. We're going to talk about that. That's, that's like a soapbox thing I'll get on. But um, this week, I want us to talk about um, the statement, uh, too blessed to be stressed. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> too blessed to be stressed. And I don't know if you've ever been stressed in life. Probably you have. Um, but we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, that idea. Usually what it means, there's a lot of different variations of that statement. But the general kind of gist of that statement is that 
I, yes, there are things going on in my life right now that could be stressful, but God is too good or too good to me for me to be stressed. And usually the person who's saying it doesn't believe it. They're trying to talk themselves into believing that it's true. They're usually very stressed. And so they're, they're saying something like that. Um, but a lot of times maybe the, the, the form or what people are trying to say with this statement is in some way applying some measure of guilt as well. Maybe they're saying it to you when you're feeling stressed. We've talked before about what a Jesus juke is. You know what a Jesus juke is? Uh, a Jesus juke, you see it all the time. You may not know that you see it all the time, but a Jesus juke is on Instagram or Facebook. It's when somebody who's incredibly religious wants to make you feel bad for something that is fun or something that you enjoy. That's a Jesus juke, all right? Now that I'm telling you, you'll see it all over. I'm telling you, you'll see it all over the place. It's a Jesus juke. And uh, I brought just a couple examples just so you could see a couple of examples of what a Jesus juke is. I mean, this is a Jesus juke. You teaching your kids how to nay-nay, but can't teach them how to pray-pray, all right? That is a Jesus juke. You like to dance, and your kid is all cute, and they want to just, like, karate chop religious, you know, like, oh, but, you know, you know what I mean. All right, here, let me just give you one more. Some of y'all need to be chasing Jesus instead of Pokemon. Like, that's somebody, that's somebody who is trying to apply guilt when there's no need for somebody to bring Jesus into it, okay? And so sometimes... When you're talking about being stressed or confused or anxious or overwhelmed, somebody who thinks they're being helpful but isn't helpful at all will say something to you that just makes you feel way more guilty. Like, like here's some variations of too blessed to be stressed that somebody's applying to you that is, is not helpful, right? Maybe they say, um, why do you make things so complicated? And the answer is Jesus. It's like, what are you, a fortune cookie? Like, that, you're not helpful to me, right? Or maybe they would say this, like, you worry too much. God will take care of it. It's like, awesome, because my car's about to get repoed, and I'm going to get, you know, foreclosed in my house. But, you know, hey, I'm not stressed at all. Don't worry about it. But if someone wants to just take you, like, big-time Jesus juke, I mean, if somebody just wants to, like, karate kid Jesus juke you, I mean, just drop the ultimate guilt bomb on you, all right? I'm, I'm going to give this to you, all right? You ready? They will say something like... Jesus endured the cross. Surely you could endure this. Right? It's like, I, I, want, I really want to punch you in the face if you tell me that. You know, because, like, that's not helpful. But we throw these statements and these, like, you know, one-liners out there that maybe somebody told us or whatever. Now, listen, is it true that if we lived, like, 100% spiritually focused, not distracted, perfectly Christian lives, and, and, and put our faith 100% in Jesus, that, that it, it is possible to live like a stress-free, worry-free life. Well, I guess technically that would be true. But the reality of life is not that. And all we have to do is open the Bible and we can find people who loved God and that God loved that were stressed and worried and anxious and overwhelmed to the max. And I don't want to take up time giving all of them to you. Let me just give you one. Jesus, on the night that he was going to be arrested, went into the garden to pray. And the Bible says that he was so overcome with emotion and fear and, and anxiety and like, oh my gosh, this is happening, that he was sweating blood, right? Like, that's a lot of stress and pressure on your shoulders. 
And so the reality is that life gets crazy and we allow it to get the best of us. And uh, it doesn't mean we're not blessed. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It just means that we're stressed. I'm reading my reading plan that I follow for the Bible through the year has me just right in the middle of Psalms right now. And if you're not familiar with Psalms, it's just, it's the diary pretty much of like a manic depressive person, King David. Like King David emotionally is just like all over the place. Like, you know, God, you're so incredible. And then the next chapter is like, God, I'm never gonna make it, just kill me. Like it's just back and forth and back and forth. And one of the things that I love about it is how honest it is. And I can relate to that. Like, Monday was incredible. Tuesday's awful. You know, Wednesday was pretty good. Thursday, oh, I'm, I'm, life isn't, couldn't be better. Friday's like, I want to die. Like, I can relate to that. And just to one example, Psalm 69, David said, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I've come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Like just a little bit dramatic. But can't we relate to that? And and David was a guy that God said, not somebody else, that God described him as a man after his own heart. Like David was the real deal. And here he is going through something so stressful and so overwhelming. He's saying to God, like, God, I'm drowning here. When are you going to throw me a life vest? When are you going to save me? When are you going to help me? And this is, this is King David. Like, wow, right? And what I love about God is that he meets us at the peak of our stress. He meets us at the depths of our depression and our fear and that God is not mad at me because I'm an emotionally unstable person. He loves me right where I am. But, everybody say but. But, I do think it's important that we talk about stress and anxiety and fear today to to hopefully be helpful to you. I want to read a story from the Bible and I, I I want to present both sides because it is 100% true that life is life and it beats the life out of you sometimes and that God is not mad at you and that you're going to have stress and David was crazy and like, I want to present all of that. But I also want to, to lay out to you what I believe the Bible teaches that like we shouldn't be living at this level of like maxed out stress, crazy chaos all the time. And some of y'all, I love you, but you just live here, right? Like, I, 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 you, you tell me these stories, and, and I mean, I, I have seasons. We have seasons where we, we're there, and we've got four kids, two in diapers. Like, it's here sometimes, you know? But life, life's not supposed to be lived here. Like, will there be times we're stressed, fearful, anxious? Yes, right? But if someone is constantly living stress, filled life filled with drama or on the edge of a breakdown. Like, that's not healthy either. And that's not the life that God wants you to live. And the good news is it's gonna help us a little bit. You know, sometimes we act like that we hate stress. Sometimes we act like that, you know, we we hate drama, but subconsciously, like, we kind of like it. It fuels us a little bit. Um, It makes us feel important. It makes us feel alive. It keeps us from feeling bored. Like some of you, if you had five days of no stress, no fear, no drama, no anxiety, you'd be so bored. You you wouldn't even know what to do, right? 
And what's like, so, so some of us are like, no, Jason, like, I just would love to have no stress. No, Jason, like, I would just love no drama, Jason. And if you gave me power of attorney and I got to like make all the decisions in your life for 48 hours, I could eliminate 90% of the stress and drama in your life. I'd just cut like three relationships. I'd just like make you move addresses and like change your phone number. And I would eliminate like 90% of the stress in your life and drama in your life. And so my point is that a lot of us know what to do. We know what's causing it in our lives, but we're not really able or want to disconnect ourselves from that because, because honestly, like busy is the new fine. Like you ask somebody, you used to ask somebody like, how you doing? I'm like, fine, I'm fine. You notice now, like now that I say this, you'll notice it. When you say somebody like, how you're doing? How you doing? Like the, the response is almost always like, oh man, just, you know, just hanging in there. You know, just trying, you know, just, just a lot of irons in the fire, just a lot of stuff going on and, you know, just, just figuring it out, you know, just work, just, just living here, you know, your home, your, your marriage, your kids, your kids' school, your kids' sports, your job, your boss, just here, here, here. How's it going? Like, oh, well, it's just, it's like, whoa, I was just saying like, hey, you know what I mean? Um. I asked some of you guys on Facebook, what stresses you out the most in life, right? And uh, some great answers, a lot of the same answers. Like a lot of us are in the same place. Here's some of the answers that you gave back. Somebody said, what stresses me out the most is traffic. How many people would say traffic stresses me out? Come on, let me see your hand. Just a question. Are they doing construction on every road in Louisville right now? Like every single one. Every bridge, railroad, it's ridiculous. Uh, if you're in the road construction business, congratulations, because business is booming right now. <laughs> Someone said, just fitting everything in. How many people would say schedule? Like, schedule just stresses me out. Commitment schedule me out. Um, disappointing people. Like, having to tell somebody no and, you know, um, health issues. Like, it just stresses me out. I can't seem, my kids can't seem to get healthy. I can't seem to get healthy. But by far, the, the top two answers by far um, were money. How many people say money is stressing me out? Come on, let me see your hand. Somebody said student loans, and I'm going to give two arms and a leg on that one. Like, just like, oh, just ready to get Sally Mae out of the house. Um, car trouble. I was talking to my buddy the other day, and he was like, man, I took my car in. Like, I just needed to, like, repair something $1,500 later. Like, I'm like, I'm just, like, always anxious, like, car trouble, you know. Um, but by far. So money was huge, but by far, I was kind of blown away. Like, I get it as a parent, but by far, the number one answer was I'm most stressed about my kids and their future and their safety and what's going to happen uh, in their life. Like, that's what keeps me up. That's what keeps me up at night. And so there are things in life that stress us out that are 100% legitimate. Like, I get it. Like, yeah, we're not going to live here, but if you're taking care of a parent who needs a caregiver right now, like, that's going to be stressful. Your kid's addicted to drugs and, like, making awful decisions. Guess what? That's going to be stressful. But, we, but, but Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, which is kind of a theme verse for our church, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, heavy burden. I'll give you rest for your souls. But what happens to us is when life gets crazy and life gets stressed and we stack up everything on a list that's causing us anxiety and stress and pressure in our lives, church and God seem to be the first thing that gets cut. Like, 
well, I just don't have time for everything, and church feels the most negotiable, and God feels the most negotiable, and so I'm going to cut that. But, but God said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, like, when life feels chaotic, if you will come to me, like, let's move from the bottom to the top and get it at the top and say, this is non-negotiable. Not so, not for any other reason except that this is where peace is found and hope is found and God and, Right? And so we say, okay, we're going to put that at the top. We're going to go to God, come to God. And then we're going to figure out what the rest looks like. There are legitimate things in our life that stress us out. But there are also really dumb things that are stressing us out. And we've got to choose to rise above that. Like if something on social media is stressing you out, Come on, let's get rid of that. Like, like if, if you're stressed because you're worried about what other parents think about you, come on, we got to cut that. Got to get rid of that, right? There are some things in your life that are stressing you out, like secrets. You're worried people are going to find out about your sin. Like that's within your control to, to get rid of and to fix. We got dumb things we can try to control. We got legitimate things that are weighing us down. And God never intended for us to live here, constantly maxed out. You know, they call it a stress fracture because it's not something that happens immediately. It's just constant strain. It's just constant tension uh, on a bone or on a ligament or whatever it is. And so, like, that's called a stress fracture. And I feel like for a lot of us, our souls are stress fractured. Our hearts are stress fractured. And uh, I want to just read for the time we have left today. I just want to share one story, and we're going to kind of do a a flyby of this story and just give you a couple of quick nuggets that we can take away because I want to help you. Take, take a pen out, write this down. Maybe you want to put this in your phone. I want to just look at a story in the Bible to help us figure out how to deal with stress, anxiety, fear, burnout, maxed out life, okay? And it's in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. This is about a guy named Elijah and he's feeling overwhelmed. He did seven unbelievable miracles in his life. And the, we're, we're reading a story right after the greatest one of all of them. And so here's this incredible man of God who does incredible things. And he's burnt out. And he's dealing with fear and depression and stress. He's at his breaking points. And starting in verse 1 of 1 Kings 19, this is what it says. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. This is the story I was just referring to. The greatest accomplishment of Elijah's ministry, of Elijah's life. He killed all these prophets of Baal and called down fire. And a whole nation turned to God. Like he led a whole nation in repentance. So you would think Elijah would be sky high on the mountain of just like, wow, right? But here, here's what I've learned, and you've probably learned this too, that success usually makes life more stressful. More opportunities usually makes life more stressful. For me, I've found that my greatest dips and depression and stress and anxiety usually come after my greatest moments. My greatest highs usually lead to my greatest lows. So, like, practically speaking, like, success brings more stress. Like, your kid is an incredible athlete, so they get an invitation and an opportunity to play on this incredible team. Guess what? Opportunity, success, stress, commitment, practice, you know, nine nights a week. And it's like, I don't know, like, what we're getting, right? Uh, or you get a raise at work or you come into some money. And I know everybody in the room thinks, like, man, more money would make my life such, so less stressful. Just talk to somebody who has money. Just say, like, is it true that, like, a lot more money would make my life less stressful. It's tax season. Just ask them right now, like, how stressful would it be? 
the great philosopher Kid Rock said this, and I just want to throw this out there. They asked him, they said, what, like, if you, like what, if you could do one thing, you know, like, what would it be? And he said, I, I would love to give everybody in the world a million dollars so they could figure out it wouldn't make them happy. And Kid Rock drops some nuggets like that every now and then. Like, <laughs> but here's what happens. So you come into more money and you think like, oh, life will be so much better. And what you realize is with more money comes more problems, more hassle, more stress, more pressure. And so here is Elijah with ultimate success, but so many times more success brings more stress. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So in other words, Jezebel's just saying, I'm gonna kill you like you killed all those guys. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush and he sat under it and he prayed that he might die. Unbelievable. He just led a whole nation to turn to God. And he's so burnt out, maxed out, stressed out, fearful, that he sits down and he says, God, kill me. He's suicidal, right? And uh, and, uh, then he said, I've had enough, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down, verse 5, under the bush, and he fell asleep. And all at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. Mm, come on, carb lovers. That sounds good. And, um, and uh, a jar of water, and he ate and drank and then took another nap. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he had seconds. So he got up, and he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Interesting little nugget for you here um, is that from where he was to get to Horeb should have taken 15 days and took him 40 days. And I think that's interesting because have you ever felt in life like you should be getting more done? You should be getting more accomplished. You should be farther than you are. Like you should be more productive. And so it took Elijah 40 days to get somewhere that should have taken him 15. And like sometimes as a parent, I just feel like I should be doing you know, 40 days of accomplishment or productivity, and I'm only getting 15 done. And that's kind of where Elijah's at. Verse 11, then the Lord said, go out and stand. Oh, so, I'm sorry, verse 9, there he went into a cave and spent the night. Then the Lord said, verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came... A gentle whisper. So that's what I want to talk about. Just, just a few minutes. Just write these down. I'm going to rapid fire these to you. Just a little flyby of this story in 1 Kings 19. But I think there's a couple of takeaways for our lives of how we can deal with, recover from stress, anxiety, fear, burnout, depression, whatever it is. I think it's interesting in verse 3. It says, Elijah ran for his life. He left his servant in Beersheba, verse four, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna kind of be therapeutic for me today. I'm gonna talk about me a little bit. I'm most stressed in my life when I'm trying to do everything alone. I'm most stressed in my life when I'm trying to carry everything by myself, when I'm trying to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. And that's where Elijah is at right now. It's so interesting. You do this and I do this. Isn't it amazing the things that we convince ourselves of when we only have to run it through our mind? 
Like when you don't have to like say it out loud to anybody else, it makes perfect sense in your head. Right? And so Elijah's out in the wilderness by himself. So he's saying things to himself like it'd probably just be better if I was dead. Nobody loves me. And Elijah is, it's a committee of one. And the committee's like, you're right. That's true. That unanimously passed, right? He's like, you know, it'd be so much better. Like nobody even cares about me anyway. Nobody even knows I'm out here. Nobody loves me. And some of you, it's just a conversation with yourself. Or maybe you're having those conversations with yourself because you're stressed out and mad at somebody and you're having like the ultimate argument fight in your head. Any of you like me, like you're the master fighter in your mind. You win every argument. And like, you think like, oh man, that would be so good to say that. And then you get in front of them and you don't say it. But anyway, so like, Elijah is burnt out, stressed out, maxed out, and he's out in the wilderness by himself. That's a dangerous place to be. One of the best medications for stress in your life is really high-quality relationships. Because real high-quality relationships will tell you when you're being dumb, when you're being crazy, when you're not making any sense, right? Andrew and I were driving home a few weeks ago, and I was mad about something that happened at church and I was just ranting. I mean, nobody rants like me. Like, I can rant. And, and I just kind of paused for a second. And she's like, you know how entitled you sound right now? Like, you're being ridiculous. And you know what? She was right. She was right. I didn't want to hear it, but she was right. But if I didn't have her there and I wasn't saying these things out loud, I would have I affirmed myself so much and believed myself And so, like, some of you, like, you're stressed out because you're trying to parent alone, but you need to let somebody else in. Some of you are stressed out because you're trying to accomplish everything at work by yourself. Let somebody in. You're stressed out because you're not processing this with anybody else. Last night, Andrew and I had some friends over to the house, and we got into a fight this week. And I know you and your spouse don't fight, but Andrew and I got in a fight this week, and and I was, like, 80% to blame, but that 20%, we were at kind of an impasse on, and we couldn't agree, like, who was wrong, and... And so our friends were over for dinner, and I just said, hey, can I talk to you about something that Andrew and I fought about this week? Because I'm sure you guys have probably been through this. And we just talked it out. It was so healthy. And the stress level between my wife and I went, like, to here because we were able for somebody else to say, like, we have had that fight, like, 50 times. Let me tell you where we've landed on it. But if we hadn't processed that with anybody, had somebody around our dinner table, like, we would have fought with each other imaginary fights in our mind and kept building the tension and the stress, right? Is that making sense? And so there's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. And so one of the the antidotes for stress, fear, anxiety, depression in our lives is just really high quality relationships. If you spend all your time by yourself, literally or symbolically, figuratively, emotionally in the wilderness by yourself, it's not healthy, right? It's not healthy. All right, so, so Elijah is out there in the wilderness by himself, and it says that he sits down under a bush, verse 5. That's the first one, is high-quality relationships. And then it says he lay down and he fell asleep. And then an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And then he went to sleep again, and then an angel touched him and he ate again. I think it's, it's very interesting in this story that, yes, God's going to do something incredibly spiritual, but God's also doing something incredibly physical. Like, don't ever underestimate 
a good nap, good rest, a good meal. When's the last time you took a nap? Not because you crashed and you didn't realize you were going to take a nap, but you took a nap. But like you turned off the phone, you turned off the lights, you closed the door, you closed the blinds, and you just took a nap. When's the last time you came home on a weekend and just put your phone in the drawer from Friday to Sunday night and you just rested? When's the time you were disconnected, like I'm just going to rest? When's the last time you had friends over to the house and you just cooked a good meal and you took your time or you went to a nice restaurant and you just rested and recharged? Because it's really amazing in this story that Elijah is is here mentally, and God says, like, just sleep, and then wake up and eat, and then sleep again, and then eat. Physical health is an element of spiritual and emotional health. Physical health is an element of spiritual and emotional health, but rest requires us to say no. We got to say no to some things. We got to say no to some people. Come on, let's just practice that together. Come on, say no. No. Didn't that feel so good? Just no. No. I took the two girls to the grocery store yesterday. I'm like, just no. Can we get this? No. Yeah, can we buy this? No. But what about that? No. I mean, it was just, it was so therapeutic. Just no, 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 no. But isn't it true? Like, we just, we don't like to say no. We don't want to disappoint. We commit to everything. We overextend ourselves. We don't want to miss out on anything. And we say, yes, 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 yes. Rest requires no. No. I'm sorry. I know that I'm risking my children's future in professional athletics, but we're not playing this season. No. Thank you for that promotion and the opportunity to make more money, but I'm already here this many hours, and I don't think that would be healthy for me physically, emotionally, or spiritually. I'm sorry, but no. I would love to go hang out with the guys, but no. No. And what happens is you begin to say no, you begin to breathe. Because you've got margin in your life. And I said it earlier, but what happens to us a lot of times is we look at all of our list of commitments. And I'm not trying to sound like some bitter, angry guy, pastor, preacher. Please, you know me by now. You know my heart. I'm not wanting anything from you. I want something for you. But what happens to us is we look at a list of the things in our lives and we say, well, we can't say no to that. And we can't say no to that. And we can't say no to that. And we can't say no to that. But down here at the bottom of the list is God and church and volunteering and serving and being in a small group. And while, yeah, I know I should do that, but at least I can say no and I won't upset anybody. So I'll cut that. No. What happens is you begin to breathe when you move God and church and quality spiritual relationships to the top of the list, and then you start saying no to the other things that you feel like you can't say no to. I just can't. I can't say no to that. Like, you can. And I think it would be an incredible exercise for you and your family if you sat around the dinner table, and it would be so, it's like budgeting your availability. And you said, okay, here's the rules. Everybody gets two yeses, everything else gets a no. And you just listed all of your commitments on a sheet of paper. And you said, okay, everybody gets two yeses. What are you saying yes to? Because a yes to one thing is a no to something else. How much, how much more peaceful would your life be if you said no to some things in your life? 
It's not easy. I'm not trying to make it sound easy, but it is the recipe to be able to breathe again, to be able to breathe again. Sometimes you just got to be able to take a nap. Sometimes you just got to be able to enjoy a good meal and to turn off your phone and to disconnect. And listen, nobody is a tech junkie more than this guy right here. But you got to create margin in your life. And so we got to have good, high-quality relationships. We've got to have rest by saying no to some things in our life. And then the last thing that we take away from this story is that in the middle of earthquakes and tornadoes, we've got to find and hear the gentle whisper of God. We've got to have the presence of God in our life. I'm not trying to beat a a dead horse here today, but like some of you are so stressed to the max because you've prioritized everything else but the presence of God. You know, we pray a prayer around here and it sounds weird. I don't want to freak anybody out, but I pray when I come in here, I pray, God, I pray your presence would like come through the vents. Like I pray that we would breathe in the presence of God because when we do, we're breathing in peace. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. And so some of you guys, you tell me like, man, I've missed church like two or three weeks and like, I feel awful. Like, I'm not glad you feel awful, but I kind of pray for it. Like there's something in the room like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How would your day be different if you started it with 15 minutes of just time with God? turned off the radio and you turned on the audio Bible or you got up 15 minutes earlier and you just read some scripture and wrote in a journal or maybe, you know, like, I know when I say that, guys are like, bruh, I don't journal. I lift. I don't journal. Okay. I journal. I don't lift. That's cool. Uh, But like, how would your day be different? I bet it would be more peaceful. I bet it'd be more peaceful. Would Would crazy things happen? Oh, yeah. Just have that presence of God, like that whisper of God. For me, everybody's different. This is me. I'm not trying to put my ways on you. But for me, I hear the gentle whisper of God by reading a good book about God. I go sit out under the gazebo in the backyard and read a book about God. I read the Bible, a journal. I write things down. I get away, I I recharge. This is just me. Some of you husbands are gonna use this. I think this is great. But like for me, being by myself and walking on a golf course, like it's just, it just brings peace into my life. And you can use that. Tell your wife, like pastor said, I need to go play golf. Some of you, it's fishing at the lake. Some of you, it's like a hot bath and a book. Like, like there's something, but like you gotta find it. You gotta prioritize it. You gotta find it. It's spiritual. I know it doesn't sound spiritual, it's spiritual. So we want to we want to take down the drama, the stress, the anxiety, the fear in our lives. We got to have really high quality relationships. We've got to rest and say no to things so there can be margin. And we've got to prioritize getting in the presence of God. Getting in the presence of God. Hearing that gentle whisper, feeling those nudges, knowing that He is with us. Let's pray.